Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. By way of review, we've been talking about John 8, 31 and 32 where Jesus said, If you abide in my word, then you will truly be my disciples. So if I'm not abiding in the Word, what does that say about me? I'm not truly His disciple, isn't that right? Oh, but I come to church and I... No, 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 no. If I abide in His Word, then I'm truly His disciple. And I will know the truth. And the truth will set me free on the inside. Every one of us are at different levels of bondage in our inner man. And only the revealed truth of the Word of God can break us free of that inner bondage that is accumulating by the non-application of the Word of God. Why is the Word of God so able to break us free of that bondage? Jesus said, John 6, 63, if, that He said, My wor- the words that I speak to you, they are spirit. And they are life. The raw material that is in the Holy Spirit of God is in the Word of God. You can't separate the Word of God from the Spirit of God. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Hebrews 4.12 says it like this. The Word of God is full of life and power, able to even discern between joint and marrow, soul and spirit, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Do you know, sometimes I'm so confused, I don't even know what my own mind's thinking. I sure can't figure it out. But the entrance of the Word of God brings light. It breaks the confusion. It brings clarity. And as I continue to invest in that Word, through meditation, through prayer, through the entrance, the investment into that Word, Life and power and discernment come. So what we've been finding is that our brokenness has one taproot, only one. And that is unbelief, a failure to believe and operate in the Word of God. That's the taproot of all our brokenness. We went into that briefly a few weeks ago. But there's about four roots that stand out, extend out of this taproot into our brokenness that we have to deal with. One is pride. Let's begin reading here in chapter 3. And let's see how self-sufficiency began to be the first manifestation of unbelief. The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, chapter 3, verse 1, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, the servant did, As God indeed said, you shall, eat, you shall not eat out of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
You don't need to go by those boundaries. You don't have to listen to that. The truth is, God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. See, see Adam and Eve, God's trying to withhold the best from you. He wants to control and manipulate you. He doesn't want you to be happy. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, you'll be like Him. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasurable, it was tasty, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open. They knew that they were naked, sewed fig leaves together, made themselves coverings. Understand that they, when they were created by God, Chapter 1, verse 26 and 7 tells us that they were, that God breathed His life into them and He blessed them. They were covered with the glory of God. They were covered with that manifested presence of God Himself. But when they chose in unbelief, when they chose to dis, disbelieve the Word of God, when they began to operate in their own pride, we're sufficient. We don't need Him to be re running our lives. When they begin to act in pride, shame came immediately. And notice what happened after that. They hid themselves. They ran. How many of you know, if I don't yield to the Lordship of Jesus... Shame is going to manifest itself, and I'm going to run. I'm going to retreat. I don't want to think about things very seriously. I sure don't want an encounter with God because I don't want to be exposed. But it's only when I'm exposed that I'm willing to reach out and grab my covering. Only when my nakedness is exposed can I reach out and lay hold of the covering that is provided for me? And understand this, before they ever left the garden, God slew an animal. God took innocent blood and took skins and covered Adam and Eve. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. All our sin requires the shedding of blood. Right from the garden to right now through the blood of Jesus. A picture. In verse 9, they had hid themselves. They were hiding. Verse 9, then the Lord called to Adam and he said to him, where are you? Does that mean God didn't know where they were? No. He wanted Adam to come to grips with his own state of rebellion. He wanted him to take responsibility for where he was. How many of you know you'll never get back where you need to be till you take responsibility for where you are? The Lord called and said, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. What happened? The shame made me fearful. How many of you know the first cousin of shame is fear? And he said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? Who are you listening to? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? God knew that he had done that. He just wanted him to take responsibility for where he was. And the man said, the woman 
whom you gave me. We talked about this last week. The woman. It's somebody else's fault, Lord. It's always somebody. Look, if I didn't have these parents, if I didn't have this sister, if I didn't have this brother, if I didn't have this boss, if I didn't have these customers, if I didn't have this parent, if I didn't have this spouse, if it's my life would be all right if it weren't for them. Notice what he said next. The man said, the woman whom you gave me. The fact of the matter is, you're the one who could have fixed this. It's your fault, really, God. We talked last week about Gideon and the encounter with the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon and called him a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, if God was with us, why has all this happened to us? We're all the miracles. Why don't you do something? You ever felt that way? If you're really God, what, why are you so silent? Why aren't you doing anything? Where, where are you? We found last week in closing that God didn't answer the question he gave an assignment. When you get real confused about where God is, when you don't understand why He hadn't done something, when you think it's all somebody else's fault or even His, listen for your next assignment because the clarity, you're going to get some clarity as you walk if you will just take your next assignment of faithfulness. God usually doesn't sit down in the room and explain it to you. He gives you an assignment, and you remember that Gideon was mighty in God and won great victories as he got over his confusion and started being obedient. So we talked last time in great detail about anger and blaming others, and before we get off of that, let me remind you that Sometimes we can contribute to the anger of other people. Sometimes you say, Pastor, how we do that? Could it be that I or you have failed to love somebody just the way they are and right where they are? Could it be that I or you are always trying to make them something that they're not? Could it be that we're always trying to get them to do something that they haven't or they can't before we'll accept them? Look, ask the Lord to help you celebrate somebody in the way they are. It's the love of God that draws us to repent and change. It's not you trying to force it. It doesn't work. It stimulates Anger. Now today we want to focus on the third root. We've focused on pride. We've talked about fear. This is actually the fourth root. We've talked about anger. We've talked about pride, fear, anger, and today we talk about shame. One of the manifestations that came very quickly with Adam and Eve was shame. If I ask you to define shame, how would you do it? 
Most of us know what shame means, but we don't know how to articulate it. Shame is that unresolved guilt that just floats around in us. It rears its head at the most inopportune times. It's the absence of spiritual confidence. We're always a little off balance spiritually. It's the absence of real prolonged intimacy with the Lord. Oh, I mean, we have some moments, but shame creeps back in, and there's accusation there, and we begin to reflect on shame, and our intimacy with the Lord gets broken, and we have to go back to that place and reapply our forgiveness. Shame just floats around if it's not resolved. It's a mindset. It's driven by guilt. It's driven by regret. You ever regretted something so badly that you just don't know how to fix it and it just floats around in there and you just can't ever seem to shake it for long? Shame is self-condemnation. It causes us to become distant. Distant with the Lord and eventually distant in our covenant relationships. A lot of marriages break up because of unresolved shame. We feel unlovely. We feel dirty. And we just can't seem to get rid of it. We carry a burden of regret. And we have the instant replays of shameful things that just float around in our consciousness. Are y'all getting the picture? Can everybody relate to me? Has everybody experienced shame? Of course. What caused shame? Are you listening? The absence of intimacy. When you lose intimacy, shame takes over. If I disconnect from intimacy with the Lord, shame knocks on my door real hard. It's the absence of intimacy. And, and notice this, Adam and Eve experienced shame almost immediately, but notice the truth. Who pursued who? Adam and Eve were running. What was the Lord doing? Pursuing. Can I tell you something? Your father is pursuing you. He's pursuing you. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet in a sinful state, Christ died for us. Your father is pursuing you. I want you to go on a journey here with me. What is it that has a hook on your inner man that brings about shame? Were you a victim or a perpetrator of abuse? Do you have those replays? Have you committed adultery? Have you cheated on your covenant spouse? Have you been involved in sexual misconduct out of bounds in God's order? Have you been involved in addiction or drunkenness? Have you had an abortion? 
Have you stolen? Have you been involved with, in any way, prostitution or hatred or porn? Do you have outbursts of anger that are uncontrollable and you say things that bring shame? When I go back and revisit some of my own sin, I recently revisited my sin in a way that I've never revisited it. I usually try to say, thank you, Lord, that you forgave me as quickly as I can and try to move on. But I revisited one of my multiplied millions of sins the other day, and I revisited it in a different way. Now, if I name something that holds you in shame, think about this. When those instant replays of those things that bring you shame come back into your consciousness, what do you assume? I came to find out that my assumption was that God was angry at me. He didn't like that one bit, and he was angry that I did something. Sometimes I get the idea that, okay, buddy, I'm going to get you now, that he's vengeful. Sometimes in my conscious mind, I think that he left me, and I have got to do everything I can to get back into that intimate place with him. Can I tell you the lie? The lie is that you can perform your way back into intimacy with the Lord. If I just have enough devotionals, if I just treat people right enough, if I just give enough, if I just come to church enough, if I just do enough performance, I can get my way back into that intimate place that I've lost. That's a lie from the devil. There's nothing but God's grace and the revelation of God's grace that can get you back to intimacy. You'll never be able to perform your way back. So here's what I would recommend you do. Here's what I did. I asked the Lord, oh God, what do I need to know? And then I asked an astounding question that I'd never asked before. When you go back and revisit painful, shameful times, here's what I asked the Lord. Where were you? When I hurt you, where were you? Why don't you ask the Lord in that, in that moment, in that time of adultery or abortion or, or drugs or alcohol or just outbursts of anger or just self-righteousness, God, where were you? Where were you? Where were you in that divorce? Where were you? Here's our first answer. Now, that's a two-part question. Our first answer is, he was right there in the room with you. 
And Jesus said, a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground, but your heavenly Father knows it. Psalm 139 says that he formed your inward parts and he is intimately acquainted with all your ways. He knows when you sit down and when you stand up. He knows your thoughts before you even think a thought. He knows all of your words before you ever say it. So what we know is that the presence of the Lord was right there. What we know, that is that the Holy Spirit is in that place of our sin. And I want to tell you something else. He didn't leave mad. That's what you think he did. Or you think he wasn't even there. The Holy Spirit is right there. I said, Lord, what were you doing? And the Spirit of God gave me my answer. He said, I was weeping. You don't believe God cries? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, and Jesus wept. He said, I was weeping. And I wanted to know why he was weeping over my sin. If you have forgiven me and you've wiped my slate clean and you have, why were you weeping? He said, I was weeping because I knew the journey that you were going to be on and how hurtful and painful this sin would be as it comes back into your re instant replay. I knew how painful. I knew that this floating sense of shame you were going to have to deal with. And I was weeping for your sake. I wasn't weeping for victims. That child is with me. That, that thing, that whatever it is, is with me. I wasn't weeping for anything except the pain that you were going that you were going to have to work your way through by my grace I want you to see something here with me turn with me to the book of hebrews if you will this is what god says this is what god says why is that important? Because it's the basis of the truth, and it's the truth that sets you free. This is what God says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15, But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us that after He had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write my laws. And then he adds, verse 17, their sins, everybody say my. My sins and my lawless out-of-bound deeds, God says, I will remember no more. Did you know that that which is 
a link to your shame when you have gone before your Father in heaven. Did you know that according to the eternal Word of God, He has erased it out of His consciousness? More people than Edric ought to give him a hand clap of praise than that. God has erased your sin from his consciousness. I said he can't even remember it no more because he's omnipotent and he decided he won't remember it anymore. Hallelujah. I mean, is that good news or what? So the next time these instant replays that instigate shame in your inner man, you go before the Lord and say, God, on the basis of your holy and mighty word, you have wiped my sin from the record and my lawless deeds are gone forever in the blood of Jesus. Well, Pastor, if God's forgotten it, why can't I? That's why you need the Spirit's help to bear witness of the truth. Because I want to tell you something. If God's not holding, the, holding it against you, why don't you just go ahead and release yourself? Amen? Part of the mighty miracle of grace is that He takes care and wipes away our sin. Now, this side of heaven, are there consequences? Do we have struggles? There is a law of sowing and reaping, isn't there? Grace is greater and stronger. But it doesn't mean that we're instantly completely devoid of all struggle. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is what? He is what? A new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. But do you know verse 21? God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God took all of my sin and yours and laid them on Jesus, and he took Jesus' righteousness and put them into your account. Have you opened the account? You don't have to earn your way into it. You just come by faith and say, thank you, God, for the provision of your mighty grace. Sin is not okay. It's a violation of grace. And we're to confess it and release its hold on us and lay hold of grace. See, if all I do is confess my sin, but I never lay hold of grace, I'm still going to get trapped over and over and over again. Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you something. Where does shame come from? From God or from our own flesh and even the devil? The Bible says that the devil is an accuser of the brethren. Understand this, that all the time you're dealing with shame, listen, the Holy Spirit is trying to bear witness in your inner man that you're a child and an heir. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says what? 
The Spirit bears witness in our spirit that we are children of God and heirs according to the covenant. We're covenant heirs. Why do you think we name this? Heirs of the covenant. God has not withdrawn his love and favor from you, nor from me, because of our sin. I want you to ask the Lord today to break the grip and the power of shame off your life. It doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from God. It does not come from God. So I want you to bow your heads with me right now. And I want you to do business with the Lord. He's listening. He is searching your heart right now. He knows every thought you have. He knows your heart. Would you ask him to reveal to you his grace? Would you visit with him very, very briefly, if there's something that keeps causing you shame, or if there are a number of things that keeps causing you shame, would you thank the Lord right now that he didn't get angry at you? He didn't leave your life. He was right there weeping over you because he loved you. But he is there to forgive and cleanse and break the grip of that shame. There's a song we like to sing called, I Come Boldly Before His Throne. The Bible tells us that there is one right now, the Lord Jesus, who is interceding for you right now. That in all of our weakness and failure, He is representing us right now in His perfect life praying for us, letting us know that in our time of weakness, we can come boldly to the throne of what? Grace, God's favor, and receive mercy, and find grace to help us in our time of need. Right now, would you say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word today. Reveal it in my inner man as never before. I thank you that even in my sin, just like Adam and Eve, even in my sin, you were pursuing me. See, that's the lie. The devil wants you to think that God shut the door on you. That you've got to perform your way back. Nothing is farther than the truth. He is pursuing you. You say, Pastor, it don't feel like the Lord is pursuing me. But see, that's where feelings will deceive you. The Word of God's very clear. He's numbered the hairs of your head. Your, breaths, your breath is in a count right now. He knows all your thoughts. All of your ways. He is intimately acquainted with all your ways. He's been there in your success and in your failure. And He loves you with an incomprehensible love. He has never given up on you. Oh God, give us revelation. 
of the mighty love of God. Would you right now thank the Lord that He is pursuing you, that even in those times that have brought shame, He was there out of His love, maybe weeping over you, but now rejoicing that you will come to release? You can't make the Lord any happier than you could make the Lord happy today by saying, Lord, I release all of that over to you. I release the memories. I release the baggage. I release all the, the debris and the residual effect of my sin. I release it to you, Lord Jesus. How many of you say today, Pastor, before the Lord, I'm laying hold of the grace of God to break that root of shame that has floated around in my inner man for a long time. Would you raise your hand? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you for what you've done for me, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for these. Give us greater revelation of where we're in bondage so that the grace of God, give us greater revelation of your love and grace that sets us free. We glorify and praise your holy and mighty name. Thank you so much for being here. As the Lord leads, we'll continue this message next week as we focus more on the taproot of our brokenness and begin to learn how to deal with pride and fear and anger and shame on a more effective way. Go with God. He's going with you. We'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.